<laughs> this is your element, man. This is your element. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're all good at like one thing to a couple things. This is one of my couple yeah, things. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> What's up, y'all? It's your host, Sensei Anka, and we're back again with a not just great, not just amazing, <laughs> an all-time episode right now. We are who? Who are we? Are who are we with? Who are we with? You are with Tony Lee. Excited to be here, man. Excited to see NK in his element and excited <laughs> to have this conversation. Most definitely, most definitely. I like to say thank you for pulling up that. Oh, my God. So you run, do you run salt? So I lead the salt company at St. Paul, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain what salt is for those that aren't from Minnesota? Yeah, yeah. So salt company is a college ministry of a local church called Salt City Church. And our primary mission is to see the different college campuses in St. Paul reached and uh, to provide community for college students. So, I feel yeah, that. we love it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've realized, um, church is church and religion is not as emphasized as it once was, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get your take on that. Do you know why that is? Do you think it's the media we're taking in? Do you think it's the fact that we feel like we don't need God? Is that mm. where it comes from or... Yeah, yeah. No, I, totally. I think that's a great insight, NK, that um, there's a lack of a need for God for sure, kind of in the psyche of the culture around us, but um, also primarily that uh, church is not seen as something that's actually helpful or beneficial to people's lives, mm-hmm. right? So not just like God in general, but specifically following Jesus. Uh, people do not see that as something that's nece- necessary nor even really advantageous. Um, And the cultural pressure to go to church is now almost none. So what a lot of people were doing is they were going to church because they felt like they had to or they should. But now that feeling is no longer there. Does that make any sense? I feel that. I feel that most definitely. Um, Do you think that's for the better or the worse for society? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm obviously biased. You know, I'm I'm a pastor. So, of course, I I have my own cognitive bias here. But I absolutely think it's worse for society. Um, Primarily because I think our society desires things like human rights mm-hmm. right and, and obviously being minority men we understand this that we desire people to have the human dignity that um is innate but i think we we don't actually know how to do it right so we have like ways to do it in which it would be like diversity inclusion all these different types of ways to get information out there but uh human rights and this is something we talk about me quite a bit is innate to the christian idea that before christianity stepped onto the stage in the roman and greco empires of the day human rights were not emphasized almost at all. And so Jesus introduces this new idea called every single person made in the image of God, and that actually has transformed human history for 2,000 years. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, kind of speaking on what you were talking about, um, I feel like one of the reasons why church has been like stepped away from recently is because of people feel like it's an easy way to separate and divide people mm. um, over the idea of what you believe. Right. And I feel like as time has been going on, there's been like a change in the way people look mm-hmm. at higher salvation with the idea of atheism and things like that. Right. And it's hurting us as a whole, but I feel like it is helping people to feel like they're more, what's the word? Uh, liberated right, from right. the shackles and the hold of religion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's super interesting um, because I do think that the atheistic premise is that if you could be your full self, right, like the the uh, self-sufficiency, kind of like um, the end game is to be like your whole self, then you'll be completely free. 
um, I think there's parts of that are really beautiful, which is what it's allowed it, people to do is see that, okay, they don't have to conform to other types of people, right? So if I'm a minority Asian man, I don't need to conform to the white agendas to me to be myself, right? And that's actually really, really freeing. I think the temptation in kind of the atheistic perspective is that freedom equals joy actually isn't true in a lot of ways. So you'll know that by people who are financially free, right? So people who make millions and millions of dollars a year, right? You would assume that they would actually be incredibly happy. Okay, why aren't they? Mm -hmm. Well, they're free in a lot of ways, but actually the, the control, the bondage is actually internal, not necessarily external. And so they're in bondage to their own brokenness. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think what atheism does is it provides you a way to see the world as a lens of freedom, but doesn't necessarily give you the answer that people are looking for. Mm -hmm. I feel that. Um, speaking on the freedom thing, one thing I've been looking into is if freedom is actually what people want. Huh, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. So as we go on, right, uh, freedom of choice, such as um, all the different types of foods we can get, especially for like syrup. There's like sure. 100 different types yeah, of syrups. Yeah. But <laughs> you don't so know many which syrups. one to pick yes, because yeah. you have all these freedoms to choose, but you don't really want to choose. Interesting. That's why a lot of people just naturally hold when it comes to trying to find a leader and stuff like that. Okay, Once yeah, yeah. Once a leader comes into the room, people just instinctively follow that person. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like with that, uh, people say they want like oppor like different decision-making opportunities, but mm -hmm. really they're looking for like the least p path of resistance? What do you kind of think See, with that? I feel like people naturally want to submit okay. to, to a higher power, to another person, like when it comes to like marriage or like school or like the ideas that they hold for Interesting. themselves. Yeah. When you, if you give them a chance to go down a path that they don't need to worry about what is next, they will just instinctively go down that path. Okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like some of the implications of that in our generation, specifically college students? Um, the implications. I feel like it's it's more of it's it's it's, for, it's hurtful because of I feel like people don't really understand what they want, mm. and now they're doing things that they really just don't want to do right like right. um people i know people whose major like let's say engineering or like uh or even another major like communications they're mm -hmm. only doing it because like they need to find something to do mm. or their parents threw them down this path yep. to do something yeah or even college in general right mm -hmm. it's a cultural expectation and if without college you can't be successful there's mm -hmm. like those types of, yeah yeah i think that's that's super interesting i'm like thinking about that right now but it's <laughs> it's a it's a nice thought i mean and yeah, I do think you're right that um, if you don't have a vision for your life, mm -hmm. you'll be invited into someone else's vision, mm -hmm. which I studied business in college. And that's mm -hmm. essentially what marketing is. Mm -hmm. It's this idea that if you can convince people that they need something, then you can sell them a vision for their life. So whatever that is, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's uh, a really nice car, right? Like, NK, you get a BMW, you're going to feel really, really good about yourself. Yeah. A really, really nice body. If you get a six pack, you're going to feel really, really good about yourself. So. Mm -hmm if they can sell you a vision of like, okay, your worth is in your body image, whether male or female, then Instagram can curate the images that you see to only see beautiful men or see beautiful men, women, right? Mm -hmm. And then they can sell you products, mm -hmm. right? Whether it be supplements, different types of food, uh, different type of diet plans, whatever. If they can give you a vision for who you are as an identity, then they can sell you whatever they want. So we live in a world where people are consistently selling identities. They're actually not selling products mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. if you can sell an identity, then they will buy other things. That's right? true. Um, in one of my classes, they showed me this one image where it was like, um, 
I think it was yes, it was a picture of a, it was an ad for Porsche, right? And he uh-huh. said only the wealthy have. So uh-huh. people don't even want money. They want money to show that other people don't have as much money as I do. Uh huh. Yes. That's yeah. All it is. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like buying like really expensive things. Yeah. Like especially like, in a sense, arts art is, does the same. Art is in the same type of category because uh-huh. like, a picture is a picture no matter where you put it. But people will pay millions. Hundreds of millions for like, let's say, the Mona Lisa. Right, right. It's got a signed value set by cultural societal expectations. Exactly, exactly, exactly. No, but I think that's a great insight that Mm -hmm. um, most people don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. So they'll be sold a vision of who they should be. Do you think that affects especially minorities the most, especially minority men? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Um, I think back to my childhood. So I kind of, a bit of my story is I grew up kind of in the hood of Nashville and okay. kind of in the projects. Most of the, I didn't I didn't hang out with white people until I was like 10 or 11 years old. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the vast majority of the guys I grew up with were either Hispanic immigrants or black men. Mm-hmm. And I think at a very young age, you're compelled to think that your identity comes from how, um, from a multiple different factors, but maybe like how, impressive you can seem to other people, um, how much money that you can accumulate no matter the what cost. Mm-hmm. And what that leads to is people are in a place of desperation, of wanting to find who they are, and then they make decisions that are a product of their circumstance. Mm-hmm. And I think what that does is because we're so desperate to know who we are, it sets us down on a wrong path. And a lot of the guys that I grew up with never went to college, never made it out of high school, grad- left high school early. Um, so yeah, I think it specifically does impact minority men mm-hmm. heavily. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And does that shape the way that everybody else sees them since they're so like mm. bent on showing an image to another person? Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think we we always our society loves things to be black and white. Mm-hmm. People want answers, right? Mm-hmm. Like people want to know why did this man do this? Mm-hmm. But the actual reality is there's a nuance of that person's like psychological makeup that has been made over years of trauma. Mm -hmm. And so most of the guys I grew up with, man, like single moms, abusive or absent fathers, poverty, poor, um, those are huge traumatic events that has reshaped the way their brain thinks. And so the decisions that they make are as a product of their psychology, not necessarily just the decisions themselves. So whether it's getting into drugs at an early age or whatever that looks like, right? so absolutely, I think society looks at certain types of groups of people that grew up around a significant amount of trauma, and they'll ask the question, why is that individual living that type of lifestyle? When really the answer is because that's the life that they were born into, and that's all that they know. Mm-hmm. And actually, psychologically, their brain is wired to want certain things that aren't maybe healthy for them, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's where stereotypes are b- born, mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, speaking on uh, the stereotypes and things like that, um, I feel like people, I've said this on another episode, where basically people are not, in a sense, racist anymore. At most, we're all subliminal. Mm. But what they are is purely classist. Mm-hmm. Class, uh, classist. Mm-hmm. How do you feel on that? Because I feel like a bunch of like the stigmas and the and the, just the natural like hate for mm. other people, it comes because of they see them as poor. Mm. Throughout history, if you're poor, you're seen as less of a person because yeah. how could you let yourself do this? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And things like that. Hmm. 
I think that's an interesting thought. I mean, I'm, I'm pondering that right now before I give an answer, but um, yeah, classism is very real. I think absolutely it's very real because there's an implication that if you were to acquire such material resources, it must have been because of a reason, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're rich, it's because you worked really hard, or if you're rich, it's because you're really, really smart. Where actually there's a really, a lot of hard, or a lot of um, smart, hardworking people in mm -hmm. poverty, right? So. I think classism is absolutely real. I mean, I think my biblical worldview informs this to a sense of racism is an age-old question, right? Like it is back to Cain and Abel in my perspective and all throughout the biblical narrative and all throughout the length of history that people have been racist out of a place of a sinful heart, mostly because we are insecure of who we are. So if we don't actually know who we are as an identity, then we are gonna hold onto other identities so tightly that any differing identity will be a cause of dissension. Does that make any sense? So if I don't know that I'm a son of God, okay. right? If I don't know that I am in Christ, then I will hold on to other parts of my identity. So if I was a white male, maybe it was that I was a white male who grew up in a privileged position or whatever that looks like, and I hold on to those things. Now, when your identity as NK comes to rub with that a little bit, of like maybe you weren't, you're not a white male, obviously, right? You didn't grow up maybe in a, I don't know, I don't know your background, but maybe you didn't grow up in a privileged position, but you're actually living out quite a quite a beautiful life. Right. And so if that rubs a little bit, what people when people don't know who they are, they immediately become insecure. And so insecurity will breed a dissension. And it'll be very natural for me as, let's say, a privileged white male to not appreciate your life the way that you appreciate your life or your background or your upbringing, because I'm actually insecure about who I am. So racism, in my view, is a reflection of insecurity. Does that make any sense? Wow. Okay. I, I know there's layers there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't thought of it in that in that sense. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm not too confusing. I feel like I'm trying to have no. I, 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 to have clear I understand like the idea of it. Yeah, I get I get where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. But um, hmm. then in a sense, do you think it's just human nature because people are just naturally insecure? Yes, I think the cure to racism. This is a big statement. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is um knowing who you are in Christ. Okay. I actually think that's the way that you don't actually compare yourself with other people. Because racism is born out of a distinction of racial differences, right? Like, the reason why people are racist is because we're different from one another. Mm -hmm. um, even if, let's say, you're in the same class, right? So mm -hmm. let's say, you know, you're making, I don't know, 300 grand a year one day with this pocket, whatever, you mm -hmm. know? And you're kind of living the life. Well, your background will still likely be different than your white counterpart. Mm -hmm. So no matter if you make the exact same amount of money per year, the way that you're wired as a human being will be different. And that difference will cause insecurity in both of us or in both of the people at hand unless they know who they are as an identity, which is why I think identity is the root source of almost everything. The way people live is as a reflection of who they believe they are. And because people in our generation don't know who they are, they live in ways that are trying to grasp for other things. Mm -hmm. There's a desperation that is born out of a lack of understanding your own identity. Did you, um, did the church give you your identity or did they help shape it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, not the church. I mean, the church has helped in community, but really it's, man, if you believe, I mean, this is what, this is the claim of the Bible, right? Okay. So this is what I always tell people. Salt community doesn't have positions, okay? We don't hold positions on anything. We just believe whatever the Bible says, okay? okay. So what the Bible would teach is that when Jesus came, what he did is he actually showed your full identity as a human being. So he came to represent what a human being could be okay. in perfection, mm -hmm. right? 
None of us will ever be perfect. We all know that. That's a biblical idea. That's not a societal idea. But a biblical idea is we'll never be perfect. But what he does is he gives us a lens, one, into who we could be, and two, by his spirit, enters into us. And now our identity is that of in Christ. Now, that's kind of a big theological statement. Basically, all that means is that I am known, loved, and cherished no matter who, what I do, no matter the, the brokenness that I have, because Jesus himself has decided to reside within me. Now, if that's my identity... I don't have to be insecure about who I am because really I am what what theologians would call like a mini Christ, which mm -hmm. is basically that Jesus lives inside of you now. And what that does is it heals me inside out. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. So now I don't need to portray to other people that, oh, this is my name is Tony. I got all this stuff going on. I'm this really impressive person. I can just say, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm a son of God. I actually have nothing to prove to you right now. And if I have nothing to prove to you, then I don't need to be insecure about who I am. And if I'm not insecure, then I don't need to be racist or I don't have to actually portray my insecurity through racial pre prejudices or different biases that I have towards other people. It actually allows me to love people wholly for who they are because I know who I am. Wow. wow. It's a bit of a ramble there but <laughs> no that's, just, that's perfect that's perfect wow yeah. that's kind of confusing <laughs> <laughs> i know it's a it's like years of thinking about this but it's yeah it's the that. it's the introduction to the idea I feel that, I feel that. how'd you get to where you're where you're at now in terms of life or mm -hmm. faith or uh, life yeah um i would say because like how did you get into doing salt that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Um, I did my undergrad at the University of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, I had a bit of a unique experience in the sense that I was kind of paying for school as I went. So neither of my parents make a lot of money. We kind of grew up in poverty, lower middle class, all of that. So didn't have anything saved up for college. Um, was working crazy hours. And so this is, I mean, I am keep tying this back, but I actually just like believe this is true, that because I wasn't sure of who I was, I wanted everyone to think that I was like kind of a grinder. You know, okay. so uh, I wanted to be the hardest working person in the room in every room I ever walked into. And so I would work, I think in college, I worked like three jobs, 60 hours a week and took 21 credits a semester and finished my undergrad in three years at the University of Minnesota. Um, during that time, I worked in the financial field and that was kind of the plan. My goal was to become literally as rich as humanly possible. Wanted to run a company one day and run a financial firm. Um, with that being said, I actually joined the salt company when I was at the University of Minnesota. And what I begin to realize is uh, even if I do become richest, the richest person in the world, mm -hmm. um, I'm still incredibly insecure, actually. And, and the deep wounds that I have from trauma as a child, through poverty, through abuse, those things aren't going to go away with a bigger paycheck. And I wasn't ever going to actually going to be at peace within myself, even if I made all this money, because for the first time in my life, I was in college making more money than both of my parents combined. And I was still pretty depressed. Mm -hmm. So there must have been something wrong. Like the, the math equation just didn't add up. And uh, as I met Jesus and, and he began to change my life, it just he softened my soul quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And as I began to learn who I was, I was like, man, I actually don't need to prove to people that Tony's impressive. I just get to show people that Jesus is beautiful. And ever since then, um, had a decision between a financial offer and a ministry position with Salt Company, took it, and then this last year came to lead Salt St. Paul. And mm -hmm. so that's been a really, really sweet gift. Wow, do you feel like um, you could have done more with the money you would have made? Because I feel like that's yeah. a thing that um, a lot of people, that I always talk to my friends about, especially when it comes to like protesting, I feel like, the easiest way to help your community is for you to make enough money to help the school system. Right, right. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. It's still a question that I think about, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, could I have leveraged my giftings in business to be able to promote the kingdom of God more on this side of heaven? Um, and I think that question is still out. Like, I don't really know, you know? Okay. Uh, but I think I feel a unique responsibility and a unique opportunity to lead what I think could be uh, generational revival in the city. And so... Um, Salt St. Paul last year was a college ministry of 50 people on one campus. This year, it's a college ministry of 250 people on six campuses. One day, I have a dream that this, the streets of St. Paul would be flooded with college students who believe and know who they are in Christ. And if that would happen, I think the city would absolutely turn upside down. I think we would see um, revival in the city that St. Paul hasn't seen for the last 200 years. Really? And so... Um, I actually think what I get to be a part of now at Salt Company could be uh, the precipice of the greatest generational revival we've ever seen. And so I want to be a part of that. I feel that. Big I enough vision that. for me, you know? <laughs> I feel that. I most definitely feel that. Um, speaking of trauma, uh, how do you help somebody mm-hmm. get out of trauma? Or how do you get out of it yourself? Because I feel like that's a thing that's been preached about, especially in the communities of like being in college, because a lot of people mm-hmm. are in college and they don't really want to be here yeah there's no like real reason they're here except for you go from high school to college mm-hmm. so trauma i mean i think um so one of the lenses that's been helpful to me is everyone's doing worse than they seem and everyone's everyone's traumatized to differing degrees right mm-hmm. so um everyone's experienced something that has been outside of their control that has affected who they've become And that's like my working definition for trauma. That's not necessarily the clinical definition for trauma. Mm -hmm. But I think in the case of trauma, man, I would really encourage people to be in a community of people that are actually talking to you about it. Because the truth is, most of our friendships in the human condition are like surface level. They're based on something you do together rather than the people you are. So college students will get to college and they think they have hundreds of friends because they get wasted at parties all the time with hundreds of people. But when they're processing the trauma of their childhood, who's there? Very likely none of those people because you know what? They're fr- they're there to get drunk with you. Yeah, they're there to forget with you. They're not yeah. there to process with you actually what you've been through. And so that's what I think Salt Company has been so powerful in my life is I finally had people in my life that cared not about what I was doing or like the impressive accolades of my life, but the condition of my soul. Secondly, so first of all, community. Secondly, um, I really think therapy is a beautiful thing. And so mainly because um, trauma doesn't just, it's not something in your past. It, it lives in your present and it comes out in so many different ways, man. Like I'm, I feel like I'm just now sc- like scratching the surface of what it means to be a holistically healthy human being. And um, I know that it might sound like alarming, but it, it just is. Like, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm way more broken than I even want to think about. And mm-hmm. so it helps me have a professional to sit down with and process that with. But you never really, he- you never really get out of trauma. Um, you more learn how to understand yourself and better uh, set practices of health and rhythms of health for a lifetime, um, which I think begins with knowing who you are in Christ, but continues as just like a healing and sanctifying process. Most definitely. Um, my take on that is more like um, I'll you know I'll go let me go on a spiel real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, go for um, it. I was talking to one of my friends, and the idea of jobs came up, mm. and a big thing that I always told him: there's a reason why you're never supposed to talk about work outside of work. Okay. 
So in a sense is the the reason why that I found is that when you're outside talking about your job, uh-huh. that the things you talk about become who you are, right? Right. And if you're only talking about work when you're like out and about talking with friends, you're always talking about work and things like that. Yeah. And what you like do. Right. You will eventually hate yourself because of everybody mm. hates their job. So <laughs> that's a yeah that's an interesting logical conclusion yeah, yeah yeah so as you're going on and that's the only thing you're talking about you're like consistently validating that right i'm only happy and i'm only who i am because of my job mm. and i feel like that ties in back to what you're saying about <clears throat> about people are only you all are only hanging out because of what you guys do together. Right. And people are becoming what they do together, like doing drugs together, drinking, partying, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's all, like, as you were saying, a very surface level thing to make your friends on. Mm-hmm. So I feel like people are hiding who they really are mm-hmm. with alcohol and drugs and things like that because right. it's all very much an easy process of numbing. Yes. Yeah, coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I love this idea that... Uh, most of our generation lives like they're human doings, not human beings. So basically what that means is like, when you ask someone who they are, they'll often begin with what they do. Mm-hmm. What are you, man? Oh, I'm an engineer. What are you? I'm a podcast host. Mm-hmm. What are you? I'm a pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do that as my calling. I actually do believe it's something that I love doing. It's something I want to do for the rest of my life. But it's like not who I am. You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. it's like people don't know how to be and the reason why so many college students like give their lives to things like drinking is not because they love the taste of beer. Yeah, that is it's like true. the worst crap ever. People <laughs> drink, you know what I mean? Like they're not even true. going to breweries. They're going to like get like the cheapest, crappiest, like watered down brown water and they'll drink it until they can't think of their pain anymore. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't know how to be. They only know how to do. And you think that it would change if they were more into religion and things like that? Especially Christianity. I think religion sucks. <laughs> okay, okay, so that's one of my hot takes in life is I mm-hmm. think religion fails to solve the problem. Okay. Religion is this idea that if you could follow a systematic rule book, then you could, you'll be happy. But the truth is um, we are rebellious in nature. At least I am. I don't know about you, but I don't like following rules. And I don't have necessarily any reason to follow rules unless, unless, I actually believe that Jesus loves me. If Jesus loves me and his book, his Bible, his rule book is for me, then I can know that it's because he wants me to live a life of joy. Whereas any other religious perspective, I'm just like, okay, religion itself cannot fix you. It can, it's another numbing mechanism. It's, it's, it's self-righteousness. It's like, well, if I can do all these right things, then I'll be fine. But the truth is, it's just the same as getting wasted it's just trying to forget the pain but jesus is actually the great physician he actually heals the pain it's not me that's doing that it's jesus that's healing me so yes i absolutely think the the college campus would look radically different when did you learn that jesus loves you what was like the turning point yeah 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 yeah. uh well i was i was a a kind of grew up in like this weird first generation immigrant church i had no idea what they were saying and uh left that told my parents i didn't believe in jesus or religion told them i was I was kind of like a functioning agnostic, but I think I thought I was atheist. Like, I was kind of like, if God exists, then I'll vibe with him, but he probably doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, that was my perspective. And then when I was 16, I heard the gospel, which is different from religion, because religion is do this, right? It's NK. Can you be a good person? NK, can you follow the rules, right? Which 
I just suck at following rules. So I was like, I just can't do that. I don't want to do that. The gospel was that Jesus did this. Mm -hmm. It was not me doing things to get to God. It was Jesus doing things to get to me. And when I heard that in when I was 16 for the first time, I actually believed that Jesus loved me. Now, since then, it's been a process. It's been ups and downs. It's been me trying to find my identity in other things. It's me trying to uh, try to figure things out or seek the pleasures of the world. But, but since then, everything's been different for me. Do you feel like um, the idea of trying to find Jesus is kind of like a, it's a very dangerous one because mm. of, it feels like you're trying to do this thing to save yourself, right? Right, right. I think it can be. I think it can be a ditch for sure, um, especially because. Yeah, the idea of finding God kind of puts God into quite a quite a small box. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, God found me <laughs> because here's what I just, it's just like he's not like this thing that I can like go go and get for myself and kind of put into a nice small box. It's like, no, when Jesus got me, everything about me changed. He he, he I'm his now. He's not mine, right? Okay. So, I think the yeah, I think that's a good good question. Okay. A good point. Yeah. What's some of your favorite Bible verses? You know, I'm not like a huge verse guy, primarily okay. because uh, I think people take verses out of context, like Philippians 4.13, and they'll tattoo that before a football game or whatever. It's like, whatever, you know? <laughs> Sorry, that, that might have hit home for some of you guys. But uh, I, I love um, reading about the person of Jesus in the book of John mm -hmm. in particular because – a lot of people don't even know what Christianity is about. But if you want to know what Christianity is about, the person, life, teachings, death, and resurrection of Jesus is where it's found. So, I feel that. Yeah. Um, one of, it's not a, um, I don't think it's a Bible verse, but it's yeah. like, a, like a saying that I hear a lot from a lot of Chris, uh, Christians. It's basically, cleanliness is right next to godliness. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I feel like <clears throat> when you live your life with, according to the, the readings of, of the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. That is the easiest way for you to put yourself in the right trajectory for life, even mm -hmm. if you don't really like believe it that much. Like mm -hmm. another one of my favorite uh, passages is when um, I don't know if I verbatim, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. best way I can explain it. So there's a father, and he goes and gives these uh, tokens to his to his sons, uh -huh. and then they all go off. Some of them lose it. Some not lose it. Some of them like um, made bad decisions, uh -huh. lose their money. Uh -huh. Some people come back, they doubled their money. Uh -huh. And then one of the sons came back, and then he's like, yeah, I this is the one, and this is your one back. I uh -huh. went and I buried it, and I went and gave it back. Uh -huh. And then the, the father was like, you are the worst of them all uh -huh. because of you just, like, wasted this opportunity that I just gave you. Yeah. And I feel like it's mm. the, the idea behind it is one of the people that God hates the most is not the lazy man, but the man that doesn't use the gifts that are given upon him. Mm. And I feel like that is a very good, that's a very needed um, preaching to somebody because of, I feel mm. like a lot of people are afraid to fail. Yeah. And there's all these boundaries for them to do what they like actually want in life to the right. point where they're, like they're saying before, like I was saying before, they're paralyzed by the choices that they can make. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's a great point that, um, yeah, we, we're all given different talents. So like, yeah, that biblical parable, the literal word is talents, which is a mm -hmm. bag of money. It's like a bag of gold. So it'd be equivalent to about a million dollars USD. Mm -hmm. And in that circumstance, it's like, yeah, one guy buries it, the other doubles it, the other quadruples it, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the master is frustrated with the one who just buries it, right? 
Um, yeah, I think like, man, there is such a unique vision for people. I think, I think in particular, um, so I, I love studying world religions. I, I love studying every philosophy, like different. It's really just interesting for me and I enjoy it. But um, it, so like, let's just take the atheistic perspective, for example. The atheistic perspective is, NK, your chief end goal in your life is to create your own kingdom. Mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like, right? Not everyone wants money. Some people want to travel. So it's like, yo, go go get on a bus and travel, you know, all over the place, go fly all over, whatever. Or it's like, uh, get your name famous, right? Like produce fame, whatever that looks like. So the atheist's chief goal is to produce a kingdom for themselves. And yeah, do good things along the way. But at the end of the day, your life is indexed towards building your own kingdom. Well, when you become a Christian, this is what God would say to you, is actually you leverage your life for the kingdom of God. So you use the gifts and talents he's given you to reproduce in the kingdom far more than you could ever ask or imagine. And I think Why what- Why is that needed though? Because I think it it's not needed. Okay. This is an interesting concept. God doesn't need us. Okay. But he invites us to live a beautiful adventure with him. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's like the opportunity that I have as someone who I consider, I consider myself very privileged in a lot of ways, right? Not maybe like your classic description of privilege, but mm-hmm. I, I think I see myself having a lot of opportunity in my life. Well, I've got one life with eternal implications. That's my worldview. My worldview is I got maybe 85 years on this side of heaven mm-hmm. to make impact for literal eternities. Now, if that's true, and God has gifted me this privilege, this gifting, these talents, then I'm going to use that to the best of my ability. And when I do, I think uh, it's it's the best life I could ever live. I feel that. I feel that. Um, just play devil's advocate, right? Yeah, yeah. I um, love I love this stuff. So I, I'm unoffendable. Okay. Can, yeah, yeah. Imagine that, like, let's say Jesus and God and all that is just not real at all, right? Mm-hmm. Would that change the way you are? Do you feel like you would feel like you wasted time? If all of it is not real? Absolutely. Okay. 100%. So, um, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the vast majority of the New Testament, he says that if the resurrection didn't happen, he is the most to be pitied. <laughs> okay. So, if Jesus wasn't the Son of God, mm-hmm. didn't die and rise again, then his life is a joke. Okay. I feel similarly. Okay. Because I'm giving my life for the kingdom of God. And if the kingdom of God doesn't exist and I'm just I'm just going around and talking to people about Jesus, who's apparently if he's not real and not the son of God, then I'm just talking about a phantom reality. It's it's all fake, you know. Mm-hmm. It's I've wasted my life. So absolutely. So I I am banking my idea on that Jesus is real. Okay. I feel <laughs> that. I feel that. So does it make sense for people to not believe that? Uh I think I can understand different worldviews. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm biased, uh-huh, you course, know, clearly, right? We, we all are, which I think is just like the most intellectual, integrate, integral um, position. But no, I think the most logical conclusion to the human life and the human condition is to believe and follow Jesus. Because if you did, I think what you would see is an answer to all the questions that you have about life. Like, it would, not just like the questions that you can even think of, but the questions that your soul is asking. Mm-hmm. And it would give you a vision for all of eternity that would be um, that would actually blow your mind. And so, yes, I do believe the most logical conclusion for the human condition is to believe in Jesus. I feel that. I feel that. It's <clears throat> <laughs> a, right. a lot there. So. <laughs> I feel that. All right, we're reaching the close to the end. Yep. yep. And at this time, <clears throat> what is some advice you would give for those that are listening? Mm. This is the welcome to Sensei's final words. Sure. Sure. Well, listen to this podcast. 
Sounds like a good time. Uh, man, don't let people sell you an identity. Okay. I think uh, because any secular identity that people sell you is with the express purpose of selling your soul for their financial profit. If you sell someone a vision that the goal of their life is to be uh, externally rich, right? Mm -hmm. So kind of drive the nice cars, wear the nice chains, have a lot of Instagram followers. They'll sell their soul for that vision and they'll buy all your products. It's a really good vision. It's actually a great marketing scheme. Oh yeah, most definitely. I have amazing marketing scheme. I'm like, man, they don't teach you this in college. Anyways, um, but ask, ask real questions about who you are. And if you don't have an answer for that, like Jesus wants to give you an answer for that and it will be a holistic identity. It won't just be something that you do or something that you think or the type of life stage that you're in. It'll, he'll give you a, an identity for eternity. And if that's what you want, he gives you that. So I think like being intellectually honest about the identities that you're being sold is helpful. Being intellectually honest about the, the, the possibility of a God that would want to know you that's also helpful. But I'll just say, think critically about your life. And if you can come to conclusions that that actually seek, uh, that actually answer some of your soul level questions, then I, I just pray that those answers are found in Jesus. And I believe that he's the only place that you can actually find those answers. So that's, up, that's, up, that's, up. that's my sensei moment. Uh, <laughs> I like thank you so much for pulling up. This really meant, meant a lot to me. And make sure y'all go to Salt. Thanks, um, AK. Appreciate every Thursday you, at Every Thursday at 8 p.m., you can find us on Instagram at Salt St. Paul. Keep up to tune. Perfect, perfect. Yes, All right, sir. y'all. Thank you for listening, and we out.